in everything that His blood gives us. Thank You so much, Jesus. You loved not Your life even unto the death for us. Thank You so much. You are our best friend, our only hope, and the entire reason that we exist. We surrender. Be our God. Like David prayed, I said to Thee, Lord, You are my Lord. You being Lord doesn't mean that you're someone's Lord. We choose to surrender ourselves for you to be our Lord. Whether people like it or not, you're the Lord. But we come to you and surrender and say that you are our Lord. And we do love you, Lord. You're so great. In Jesus' name, amen. So for those that weren't here at the jump, um, then, yeah, we're going to do kind of like an open sharing time tonight, um, and you're going to throw stones and say, what a hypocrite, but let's try to keep it concise, that way everyone that feels led to share can share, Um, and I will go last, that's just going to be helpful, Um, that way I I only get a slot left. And I believe that Tim will kick us off. And if I feel like you got something, I'm going to call on you. Uh, Yeah, and Davey, you're one of them. I know you've got something, so you're being called on. Um, So, yep, let's do it. Um, Let's just receive freely from each other. Um, You know, it can be something just like a life event that the Lord is really in, um, a scripture, a dream, um, you know, it's pretty open. As long as it's about Jesus, let's do it. You know, let's not talk about, you know, the price of eggs in China up here. Um, let's keep it on the king. That's what the kingdom's about. That's the first letters of the kingdom is the king and then his dominion. Um, so that's a pretty broad but awesome topic. So, Tim, let's do it. Okay, well, I was trying to decide whether I was going to share or not, but I guess I am. Um Actually, yeah, I knew I was, I'll be honest. Um, so, like, this is really fresh, like two hours ago. Uh, do my best to try to get through this. Here I go again. Um, I was coming home from Nicholasville uh, on the way over to prayer time here. And um, came off of 29, turning on to Route 68, right at that church right there, coming toward Wilmore. And I see a guy uh, walking on the side of the road. Didn't have a shirt on. He's carrying a bag, looked like sort of like a Walmart bag. And I drove by him, and this little boy says he needs a ride. And uh, so I immediately started making excuses. Uh, I can't do that. <clears throat> um, Drove up over the hill. He needs a ride. So I made up some more excuses in my head. Um, I don't know this guy. That's right. Um, I'm on the way to prayer meeting. This was really a big one. Because, I mean, for me in time things, this is one of the things that Lord is just 
It's it's deep inside. And uh, I'm just barely going to make it to prayer meeting right now. He needs a ride. So I got up to the intersection there uh, that goes off to Wilmore, and I turned around and came back. To, I'm thinking, well, maybe somebody else picked him up. I mean, just saying that, okay, I'm willing to turn around and go back, and he's already gone, and it won't be an issue. Nope, there he was. And so I did a U-turn and came <laughs> up behind him. Probably thought I was going to run over him. But um, I just put down the window and said, uh, you need some help? Do you need a ride? And um, he said, well, yeah. I'm, I'm going to Bergen. Okay, so those of you who know where Bergen is, yeah, it's it's not Wilmore. Um, and I'm thinking, I can't do this. And we'll just get, yeah. So I said, well, he said, well, if you could even just take me up there to where the road goes from Shakertown into Bergen, that would be really helpful. And I'm thinking, oh, man. Um, but I, so bottom line, I had him get in and um, – just felt like I was supposed to do that. So I start talking to him and trying to find out what's going on. And uh, he had just been released uh, from the Hope Center in Lexington. Um, my experience or knowledge of the Hope Center is predominantly to do with their homeless shelter. Um, I know that they put people up when they don't have shelter and, and especially during the winter months and he proceeds to tell me that he's just finished phase one of their rehab program i didn't know they had of a rehab program that just shows how little i know about what's going on i said yeah i was in there and i, and I relapsed and i had to go back but this time it, it really took hold and um i i just got out of phase one and i'm, I'm going home to see my family, and then I've got to turn right back and go to phase two. So this guy's walking home. He told me he left this morning at 8 o'clock from Lexington. We're at 345. He's still going to Bergen, which is not Wilmore. It's 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 way down there. So I, I just, just driving, and I'm, I'm thinking just got to let that go um, and he starts telling me how the Lord is just really working in his life and so I started speaking into him um, I shared some experience with some family members that or a family member that I said went through Isaiah's house I said yeah I mean I, I failed out of Isaiah house twice so this guy has been on this path for a long time. And so I just was able to share with him and how the enemy tries to attack us and, and um, trying to encourage him at this point. And <laughs> he got a, a phone call. He said, yeah, I'm in a car. He said, some preacher guy picked me up. And 
That was quite a revelation because I don't consider myself that at all. But so, so here's the whole thing that, um, very clearly, the Lord was showing me that this guy needed help. Um, and as we were worshiping here, a couple of the songs just kept hitting me. And for those of you who made up playlists, at least I'll speak for myself, I guess. I never quite know for sure how the Lord wants to use these things. So I wrote a couple of things down. First song was Praise Opens Prison Doors. This guy's in prison. Had been. He's coming out. He got out today. I'm praying that he will be able to continue this process and be completely free of whatever his bondage is. And then one of the songs was the one you love. And a quote, I am the one you love. This guy is the one that Jesus loved. You know everything and you still love me. It's time to live again. Um, and then, then the last thing I would share, his name was Steve. Um, as, as, as I was worshiping back there and, and praying, the Lord just gave me a little glimpse of insight into him. And he needed a ride. You know, I, what took me, I don't know, 15 minutes one way, probably would have taken him multiple hours to walk, let alone on Route 68 down through Brooklyn Bridge and all that mess on that road. Um, so I, I tell you all this basically just to, number one, thank the Lord, his faithfulness, the small voice in my head that said, he needs a ride. And even though I tried to argue my way out of it, he Lord just kept speaking. He needs a ride. And and so I come before you, not really other than just to say, I know there's been a lot of times where I ignored that voice and, and made up reasons successfully that I didn't do what the Lord was prompting me to do. And so this is something that the Lord is working on me about. And I believe that it's totally, it certainly is me personally, but I believe it's something for us as, as a family for dwelling because I fully believe that the Lord is sending our way people who need a ride. And we can't, we have to respond to the Spirit. We cannot talk our way out of it. We cannot. It's time to quit making excuses. It's time, as the last song said, 
It's time to live again. To do things that maybe seem sort of risky when the Lord calls us to do that. The reality is, what's risky not to do is what He's telling us to do. Right? So, I just, I just want to encourage you guys from the standpoint of uh, being open and sensitive and listening to the Spirit, even in things that seem maybe inconsequential to us. Uh, I would argue that they're not inconsequential in any way, but actually they are very important, and we have to be willing to listen to that voice. Sue, last week, again, we were when we were praying tonight, mentioned about finishing strong. It's time to live again. And it's time to finish strong. I don't care how old you are. It's time to live again. And it's time to finish strong. Lord, when did, when did we ever see you hungry? Or in need, you know, that, that parable. Tim, I felt this verse for you during worship, not knowing anything you were going to say. Um, oh, where did it go? And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a small thing. Therefore, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Yeah, so, um, there's so much I could get up here and say. But as y'all know, Robin and I are coming up on the tail end. We have one more year left of seminary, and it'll be seven years you know, since I started. And I came here not to get a degree. I came here to become what Jesus destined me to be. And um, so, of course, we're getting a lot of questions like, what's next? What are you doing? When I study a subject, uh, first of all, I, little, I really allow the Lord to pick my schedule, the classes I take with the professors, because I know that he wants to encounter me in this, because he wants to change who I am, transform who I am. So in essence, I become the subject, um, but Jesus is my object, and he acts, he moves, and I would say that when I write a paper, I don't write it for the sake of a grade, I write it because I, I want to literally put down his words, so I wrestle and wrestle and wrestle with words. It's like, I know when Rachel asked me, how's the semester going, I'm like, she's like, is it another tough one? I'm like, it is, you know, because I, I feel like a lot of times I'm in a bucket of milk and I'm churning and I'm churning and I'm wrestling with all this material that I'm learning because I want to embody it. And eventually I churn it so much that it turns into butter or cheese and I can actually climb out. Um, but I think that's part of becoming a disciple of Jesus. So with that being said, um, I've been in a lot of pain recently, and it keeps intensifying. 
but I know, and when I say pain, I'm I'm saying physical pain. And um, it it changes. It's never like precise, but this is part of following Jesus. In a class I'm taking right now on missional discipleship, so basically, a lot of what Uncle Tim's talking about is missional spirituality. It's like how do we carry out the mission of God outside of a building? Like Jesus, he turned the tables over in a temple and never went back into a temple. Everything he did was outside of the temple. Um, and I think that's a sign for us. We should be on God's mission outside of this, listening, hearing, and then doing what we hear. Um, but I do think there's times that we go through trials and tribulations because he's trying to really purify us so that we're tested and approved. We're workmen, workmen and women for the kingdom. But for this class that I'm taking, um, there's, a, there's a covenant prayer that, that Wesley wrote out, John Wesley wrote out. John Wesley was an interesting dude, um, but a lot, I mean, a lot of the stuff I read of him, like, man, my heart just resonates with how this guy walked because he was like, it is all or nothing. It's like you lay it all on the line, or you have nothing of Christ. That's, and that's why he had this whole theology on entire sanctification or Christian perfection. And he was just always pursuing like the more of God, you know, and was very cautious of the things. I mean, this guy, he wouldn't even like have 10 cents to his name when he died because he was afraid that he would have robbed God. So this guy was just continually giving away, including his own life. But he had this prayer that he had. It was a covenant prayer that was that happened at baptism. Um, and baptism is not, it's just so different than what we call it today. I mean, there was crazy things that happened before you were actually baptized. But in this, um, he had this prayer that people would repeat that he wrote out. And I'm going to read this because I think along the spectrum of this prayer that he, and you can Google this and find it anywhere, is somewhere where we are individually, but also collectively. And this is why we need the body of Christ um, to help, and in essence, put each other to death. Um, but here's the prayer. It says, I am, and this is how he starts off, I am no longer my, or my own, but yours. I could just stop right there. I mean, that's, that's what we sign up for when we say yes to Jesus. Like it's nothing, I'm, I'm giving myself wholly, like everything of who I am to you. I possess nothing. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. In the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be also made in heaven. Amen. But just as Travis has been in this season, I know I'm not the only one. Travis is not the only one. I've just been in this season of just intense bodily pain to the point that I, I can't even like lift weights right now. And this is something that I believe he's called me to do. But I just think it's a way of him asking me to empty myself completely, even to the things that I'm strong in, in my own flesh. He has to put that thing to death. Um, so I'm not suffering as like a man who's in sin. Um, in 1 Peter 4, he says, 
412, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And Paul wrote about this too. He talked about to know Christ, but to know that the, not only the power of his resurrection, but also the suffering. And this is something I think we all go to. This is the this is the rite of passage in order to live the resurrected life. Um, but what's so cool about this body, but also his body, is that we, we can't live this out alone, individually. And there's people that know where I'm at, and there's people that have spoken over me. John Edward came and spoke something to me that was direct to what I was going through. We need the body. We need to be like what Uncle Tim said, is listening and doing caught up with the agenda of heaven and making that known and speaking those words out over our brothers and sisters, whether it's picking somebody up or it's just helping somebody. So, yeah, and I would say this. Um, Robin and I have such a heart for the body of Christ to be mended, to be made whole, that there's no separation between the mind, the body, the soul, the spirit, that we're all interdependent. Like you can't, you know, put the mind over here and the body over here. Like, it's so intricately woven, and that's mine and Robin's heart. That's believe what he's called us to, which is why our bodies, I'm not just speaking for myself, why Robin's body, she goes through so much pain and just random things. It's why my daughter, she's having such issues with the joints. I mean, because of the call in our life. But I can promise you, You're going to go through trials because what the Lord really wants to restore, which is his body, what he really wants to restore, that's the very thing that gets attacked. But we must, as he said before, endure the suffering, knowing that one day we will reign with him. Well, I don't really know what I'm going to say, but I felt like it was good for me to come up here. Um, I felt the Lord leading me to come up here to speak before... um, Davey got up and spoke. Um, but I was kind of resisting it. Like, well, what am I going to say? I don't know what I'm going to say. Um, and then one of the words that the Lord put in my mind is just to proclaim his faithfulness and his goodness. And um, a lot of the times when I, uh, on the Bible app, they'll have a verse that it recommends every morning or every day. Um, and a lot of the times the Lord will speak to me through that. Um, and this isn't the verse that the Bible app was recommending, but um, I was in First Timothy this morning, and I just opened up the app. And the first verse that it shows is First Timothy 1.14. Uh, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the chief. And I just think it's a good and worthy saying that Christ is close to the brokenhearted, to those who are humble and meek before him. Um, I've been dealing with a lot of spiritual confusion lately. Um, a lot of attacks from the enemy. And I don't think that that's an uncommon experience in this body um, because the Lord is with us and the enemy wants to resist what 
God is doing. Um, but I felt like it would just be good to proclaim the Lord's faithfulness and his enduring uh, love for us and through us, despite our failures, despite our resistance and excuses and the attacks of the enemy, that he's hanging in there and he's going to get us through it even if we even if we mess up sometimes, even if we don't get it. Um, and that, I think that's been a theme um, in some of the things that have been being spoken here um, this week and last week. And I, it, it, that was something that's been resonating with me, is that his faithfulness is greater than our unfaithfulness, and that he's with us, and that isn't dependent on us at all. And that doesn't have to make sense, because he's that good. That's how good he is. Thank you. 
that's what happened, you know, we bring the best season to come to an end, we give them something so that we can rejoice, and they can be able to proclaim whatever it is that you have done. We pray that God, even as they wait to hear from you, even as the directions in your life, that you will be free to speak to them, and yes, we will be open to your voice. So everyone from the enemy, we need to remember and we agree that this is done in the name of Jesus. We thank you because when you are working in your work, you do it and you do it. So we know that there are ways that you need to call us to the community. We know that you cannot use the enemy for the religious world. You can use your voice, you can use your words. So we pray that they can hear your voice. They can sense your word that the enemy will not be able to attack them in any way in the name of Jesus. So we thank you that you have been with us and we for the victory. We thank you because soon we'll be hearing the, of the, uh, the testimonies of what you have already done and the levels and the, and the places that you have been with them. So we thank you for the new things that you have already We thank you for the new levels that you are taking. We thank you for the victories that you are giving them. We thank you for the greater influence that you have put in their lives for many that people have to the kingdom. So we, we, we take back whatever the enemy has been using and we, 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 we pray that God will move them to another level of glory that they will move higher and that the leaders ever catching them and ever interfering in their lives. So whatever level they have been, whatever they have been, uh, however you have been doing, we speak a new a new greatness in the name of Jesus. We give you honor and we give you praise. So while we were praying during worship, um, or while I was praying during worship, <laughs> I don't know if everybody else was, but um, I was just thinking about, while well, I was praying, I just have a lot going on in my family right now, and so I was just praying for a lot of people in my family, and it led me into thinking about, like, our family here, you know, and just, like, all the things that everybody's going through, and, like, just there's a lot going on for people right now, and so I was just, like, praying, and I saw like this is probably this is probably a bad reference but like the tar baby you know from like uncle raymond's stories like <laughs> so bad but anyways like where the bunny rabbit is like stuck in the tar and like he can't get his foot out you know and um and i just kind of like saw that as us for a second and um but then i was like but jesus wants to wash our feet and um like that was like the next thought that i had was like oh, there's tar on our feet, but, like, Jesus wants to wash our feet, you know? And um, so, obviously, I went and read the passage in John 13. So I just thought I would read it um, and just pray that for us together. Um, and I thought it was fun. Okay, actually, I'll say this afterwards. Um 
So, John 13, and then it's verse, well, I'll start like at verse 5. After that, he, Jesus, poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I'm doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would be, betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. For you know these things, for if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Um, so anyways, I just thought there was like some connections with some things there. And then I thought it was funny that like there wasn't tar anywhere else on the rabbit's body except for his feet, you know, um, and like what I saw. And so um, we're already clean, but he just wants to wash our feet too, you know. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to pray over us and just like things that we have going on in our life um, and that we would receive the Lord washing our feet and that we wouldn't resist that. Um, Father, we love you and we're um, so thankful and humbled that you would want to wash our feet tonight, Lord. Um, and we just receive that from you, Jesus. We receive you washing our feet tonight, God. Um Jesus, we just thank you that you would humble yourself and do that for us, God. And so we just want to humble ourselves before you and receive it, Lord. Um, and Father, I just pray that against any snares of the enemy, like any tar that's been placed before our feet, Lord, for us to get snatched into and like set back in any way, Father, or even our own stuff that we're getting caught in, Lord. I just pray, Father, that we would be free from that and that we would let the water of your word wash our feet, Lord, and that we would be completely clean, Father, and that we would receive the word that you've spoken over us, Lord. And I just pray that for us specifically here, our families, Father, the things that are like heavy on our hearts, Lord, the people that we just like feel so much for, Father, we pray that for them as well, Lord, that they would be clean and cleansed as you wash their feet, Father. And we just love you, and I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to share something that um, the Lord has been teaching me this past week. My, one of my favorite passages that I even pray about is. Uh, we will enter the, uh, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it, that I will enter his house with thanksgiving in my heart, and we will enter his courts with praise, and I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. Uh, it's one of the favorite, one of my favorite verses, and 
it just dawned on me. Like that's just how God wants us to enter into his presence. I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle to enter into the presence. Not just to pray. I can pray. But where you feel you are there and he's there and every, everything else is forgotten. Sometimes it's hard to get there. But then it dawned on me that's just the way to go in there with thanksgiving and with praise. And so God spoke to me so clearly about lifting him up. And every time I have lifted him up, it has been so easy to enter that place. Not just to pray. I can pray. I can pray driving. But just to get in there where you are, where everything else goes away and it's just you and him. And so he gave me such a revelation. It has been, has been every time I've, I've approached him that way, just lifting him up, looking at his greatness, at who he is. There, there are many times that, there are times when there are so many things that you just want to go in because they are, you are pressed. Like yesterday at some point, I get a phone call, I get a message, my sister is so sick. And it's in the middle of the night there, and you know there is no hospital, and so your, your emotions want to go another direction. By the time you are finishing the phone call, and you are, you are, you are, you are everywhere. You like, if you like, you want to place yourself and right there and help and do something. But then I had to quiet my spirit and like, I have to approach God in a different way. And so I started lifting God and telling my spirit and my heart, we are not going to worry, we are not going to fret, we are going to trust God because he's greater than anything else. So in summary, what I wanted to say is when we want to enter that place, and that's where I feel like God is calling us because there are so many voices, there are so many things that we can hear, there are so many things that we go through like when you want to go to pray, you want to come in with your needs, with the, with everything that is going on. I want to come in with everybody in there. But then when we come in there and we lift God up, we, we talk about his greatness. We tell him about, we recognize what he can do. Then he he's giving us, he's bringing us to a place where by now we can go out and deal with all these other issues from his presence, like we can, we can command situations because we are, we are where he is, we have been with him, then we can, we can, we can quiet this, this other, the waves. But when we come in being tossed by the waves, when I go in being tossed by the waves, I'm everywhere and I, I'm like, I'm, I'm desperate. But when I, when I have been able to get, to get in through praise and thanksgiving and lifting him up, I, I'm able to go out and deal with those situations and go to bed and sleep sadly. God bless you. That was awesome, Sue. The double whammy of Sue, two weeks in a row. And her message last week was amazing. I'm just going to get this out of the way because I know I pace when I talk. So that was all really good. Um, thanks for everybody that shared. Um, I wanted to share something. 
that uh, this was a dream that I had a month ago, maybe, maybe over a month ago, I don't know. Um, and it's pretty intense, so everybody buckle up. It's a lot. Um, and I'm not saying that we base all of our theology off of something. I mean, everything that we need, everything is in the Word already. But my eyes and ears are... <laughs> Stuff is just different now after this dream. So I was in a meeting. Uh, well, in the, the setting, I was just like watching this all happen as if I was a fly on the wall, just watching this event going on. And it was a meeting of like world leaders, government type people, and there were bunches and bunches of demons present in the meeting. Um, like they were taking bodily form, like they didn't just look like ghosts and ghouls and stuff. Like they were taking bodily form and they were clearly demons to me. And um, again, like they were mostly government leader type people, um, like super millionaire types. I mean, some like celebrities and entertainers, athletes, maybe, um, but mostly like those like government or business people. Um, and I didn't know any of them. Like none of them just stood out as like, oh, that's so-and-so. I just knew that was who was there. And interestingly, I saw a lot of police officers there, like sheriffs and cops, whatever. And so this is so just funny, but all of the people were trying to like talk to one another and make deals with one another. People would talk to people. People would talk to demons and even demons with other demons. They were all jockeying for position and influence and power. And how fun, even the demons are trying to do deals with each other of here. Well, if you give me this, then you give me your influence or like, yeah, and they're, all of it was just this big narcissism game of who can be the most powerful, who can be the most recognized, uh, who can be God, ultimately. Um, although that was not discussed. That's obviously the theme here. Who can be supreme? Who can be the best? Who can be the most recognized? And everything that they did, their whole currency in their meetings was they all they did was man manipulate each other and use scare tactics. And the demons would say to these people, if you don't implement the agenda that I told you to implement, I'm going to take your money away. I'm going to take your health away. I'm going to take your influence away. I'm going to take your kids away. You better do what I told you to do. You know what happened to the last ones. You better do what I told you to do or else. And the demons were saying that to each other too. Like just that their whole kingdom is just in shambles because everybody wants to be number one. Um, anyways, like demons plotting against each other. I mean, just how silly, honestly. And then people are doing that to each other. Like, you know, uh, I'll give you this amount of whatever. You know, they're all just making deals. They all just just lied continually. Everybody lied. Everybody told half-truths. That's it. And they all just tried to scare each other into choices. Everyone. Everything. That was the whole meeting going on. And then the Antichrist walked in. Um, and he, what he looked like in the dream was like an Italian mafia mobster looking guy. Um, he was in a fresh suit with all the jewelry and the slick back hair and he was tan and had a beard. And he walked in like, imagine like I would be like in the back and just looking this way 
and there was like a door here that he came out of and and everybody was like <gasps> i mean the demons and the people were so scared when he walked in and just the the thick presence of evil filled the whole room when he walked in as if it wasn't before but this was like the max how did i forget to say this all of the i literally say the climax of the story and then backspace i forgot something they were all so scared of prayer the people and the demons they were so scared of prayer and they were listen to this this is stretching me this is like new wine in my old wine skin that is stretching me out is that they were scared of nominal Christians' prayers. People that, that they ain't even walking into power. Just people that are like, you know, God is great, God is good type prayers. They were scared of that. I mean, we, I don't think we really know what we've got. If God is great, God is good is making them, oh, oh, what do we do, what do we do? They're so scared of us when we pray. And particularly, I mean, obviously, as we know, when we pray the word. But anyways, hold that in your heart. When you pray, they're scared. Not necessarily of you, but we may not see what's going on, but they see clearly what's going on when we pray. Anyways, keep that in your belt. The Antichrist walked in the meeting and everyone was so scared of him. Everyone. Even the demons, even his slaves were scared of him. And so he walks in and no one was allowed to look him in the eyes. I'm just describing things. I don't really know what that means. But I mean, that's sure not a love relationship. They don't even make eye contact. And so he walks in and he's looking down. And I mean, he is just walking like the pimp. Just like so much like carnal swagger. You know what I mean? Just like he's like he's feeling himself. He's the man in there, all that stuff. So he's walking up. And he goes and sits down at the at like this main throne at the front center of the room, and these demons start bringing him like charts and graphs and tables and all this stuff of like what they've been doing to people, like what has been the most successful to hurt people and kill them and you know persuade them away from God, and they're looking at like I mean all these posters and like different like handouts and they're literally analyzing it like a data sheet you know like a business report is literally what it is and they're looking through all this stuff and just all of these different presentations and he's reading these forms and he goes okay everybody pull all of our resources out of everything that we do and put all of our investments into deceiving preachers from now on if we deceive the preachers all of the people will follow them and then the dream ended i mean that and again i'm not saying that i'm building my whole theology on that dream but that is a much different lens than i have thought previously that they're like okay this other stuff i mean like you know, of course they're going to lust. Of course they're going to run after money. Of course X, Y, Z. But where we're really going to get them, where we're really going to get the whole sway of humanity is if we can deceive the preachers. And notice, it's not deceive the pastors. That We don't 
have time to get into all that tonight. But still, they see the difference. I mean, they don't see clearly and you know with perfection, but they know there's a difference in like, well, they're the pastor of the little place and whatever. They know the difference when someone's a cute little pastor. That's I had a vision of that tonight, like and, and to my wife being a substitute math teacher, like an acute angle, you know what I'm talking about, like in math. And he's like, oh, that that's that's a cute one because it, it's just so little and it's barely open to anything. But then the one that's wide open is an obtuse angle. Just, oh, that's like weird. Um, and then there's our little right one, our perfect little L, the L of loser, the L of lies. Our little right one, yeah, our little righteous angle. Let's be obtuse, guys. Just wide open and weirdos. Anyways, and you don't have to try to be weird. When you start walking with Jesus and you do greater stuff than He did, you don't have to make yourself look weird to people. You look like an alien and you can't help it. And when you try to hide it, that light's burning. Well, I put it under the bush, dang it. Well, then you just pull a Moses and the bush catches on fire if you try to hide it. Anyways, I want to get moving. So I, that dream was about a month ago and is really reshaping a lot for me. That the demons, they feel the time is short. This is in Revelation 12, that Satan is fighting so hard against the church because he senses his time is short. Oh wait, my grip on them is really getting slippery because the anointing one, the anointing oil is coming down Jesus' beard and running all over them and I can't hold on to him anymore. So, alright, forget it. We're just blitzing them, deceive them, anything. And I felt like that tonight in the different people that spoke, the Lord was going to show points of deception that the enemy's been using. Firstly, what Tim said is that like practical stepping out expression of our faith, there has been such a deception in the like hyper grace, hyper rest movement. And don't get me wrong. There's a time to rest and, and there's a time that he's got to quiet you in his love. And like, you know, that'd be a lot if you're trying to run a marathon while you're having open heart surgery. Like, whoa, no, 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 no. It's time for me to put you under and we got to work on this real quick. And then we're going to ease back into it with some training. But the end of the day, this thing is a moving. And there, I mean, while there's a time for rest, there's a time for war. And my friends, we are in the time of war. Now, we don't ever leave the place of rest, grace, I don't earn it, I don't achieve it, agape love from Him. But He's like, in Titus, it's the grace of God that trains you to renounce ungodliness. And then Paul, over and over again, we received this grace for apostleship. That was not a passive, yeah, I'm an apostle, that was he got on the boat and he planted churches until they cut his head off or threw him in jail. That's active. Anyways, this thing is meant to be very active and the Lord is going to start really highlighting like now that you have this understanding of rest, grace, and authentic peace in our relationship, now it's time for us to do something about it. It's not time for you to do something about it. It's time for us to do something about it. They will no longer be called two, but one flesh. And that is us now with Jesus. We're one with Him. We do everything together. That's it. It's Him, but us, and we're one. 
that was the first one with what um what davy shared just about the affliction there's a warning and the and even when davy was sharing the lord had me text one of my friends who's going through the melting or the ruining whatever and you know that he has been in this like overly well maybe not but the lord told me to warn him about being in this like this is going to sound crazy that i'm about to say this but in this like over repentant place that you you know what you know who goes out in public and whips themselves to show how bad they feel about their sin that's what muslims do that doesn't sound like a lot of grace right there now don't get me wrong repent and believe the gospel but to sit there and beat up ourselves over sin in that over repentant mentality that is creating a righteousness of your own and that what happened to the Lamb of God wasn't enough, so i got to beat myself up a little harder, and i got to prove it to myself too. I, and I've got to prove it to them that I'm really sorry about it. And that's not ministry performance. That is that false humility mess that's like, oh, well, you know, and, and Paul said it like Nicholas read, you know, I'm the chief of sinners, and I don't know how it all blends together, but don't you go running around saying five times a day you're the chief of sinners, because really you're not anymore in a way positionally and literally that's not true anymore anyways that's the next point thirdly with nicholas that there's the the misunderstanding of his faithfulness that has been it you guys know that murky line between like the once saved always saved thing and like you know, if they were really of us, they would have stayed on the boat. And if they jumped out, it means they were never in anyway. Anyways, not that I have that figured out, but that issue has been so demonically dreamed and thrown like a spitball at the church to confuse people when the whole point of it is, if you're in, you're in. Like, who cares? Enjoy the lamb. Eat the, the lamb chop of Jesus, you know? and have fun at the party and invite your friends and neighbors. Who went forth? Oh, yes. During worship, the Lord spoke to me and He said, there is going to be a situation that confirms this word tonight. And it is the, the ways that the... You might want to put that back. The ways that the enemy has, has perverted the... the um, the priesthood of all believers. And I am telling you, I am telling you, the priesthood of all believers is a concept that God totally agrees with. Peter wrote to believers, you are a royal priesthood. And sure, Jesus is the chief high priest here, but there is no qualifying statement of education, or experience and sure he walks us through trials but jesus that he wasn't a pharisee he just was in god and his the dude who he built the whole church on peter he was just a fisherman just some guy and then paul if anyone could have a resume it'd be him and he threw it away philippians 3 i count that as trash or worse in comparison to just getting to be with him so the priesthood of all believers, and I felt so good that it was Karis that prayed over them because there's something to be said about that whole women in ministry thing too. There's examples of women leading house churches 
and multiple, multiple women prophesying all throughout the word. What about Philip's four daughters that prophesy? Well, sorry, girls, you're fake. Like, I bet Philip was pretty juiced about that. Um, and they wouldn't have said, they wouldn't be known as the daughters that prophesied if they weren't doing it regularly and accurately. Um, so I just thought that was really awesome. And I was going to ask you to pray anyway tonight, so that was cool. And then Gloria, the feet washing, more of the false humility, and that the Lord would say it twice about Peter two different times was in false humility. Well, you'll never wash my feet. Like, okay, well, if I don't wash you, then you and I aren't together. Uh, then everything. No, you don't think I know what you need? If you needed everything washed, I'd be the first one bathing you. I just got to wipe that dirt off your feet on the walk home. Don't you say the problem's too big. I know just what to tell you. Quit telling me what I got to clean you of. You don't think I know? I'd rather tell her on my waist knowing what we were getting into. You don't have to tell me what's up. Anyways, I really like that. And then Sue is such... <laughs> Sue is a bully to demons. They are so mad at her. And, um, and the probably one of our biggest enemies and that she confronted so plainly and accurately last week was the spirit of fear. And it says that the spirit, um, that spirit is always bringing us back into bondage. That spirit of fear has been like a hook, always bringing us back into bondage. The fear of the future, the fear of failure, the fear of not being anointed enough, whatever else. And that the majority of what we deal with in the spiritual warfare game, most of it is all smoke screens and fake. They're just throwing mess on the screen of our mind or into our soul nature, and 90% of it isn't even real and isn't going to happen. You know? Um, so Sue is a living letter of that and just the simplicity of the garment of praise and the effectiveness of prayer. So I wanted to share all of that tonight and to also say that um, just like in that meeting, they were so, so scared of when we prayed. Even a half-hearted, you know, carnal Christian, they were scared of that. And it, that's not to boast. That's greater is he living in me than he that's in the world. And, um, you know, there's so much else that I could go into and so much about the battle against the spirit of Jezebel in this area. Um, I think that she's just got her feet propped up for now. Um, she's going to get pushed out the window. Um, and even in it, the Lord is saying through Jezamin, Jezamine, you know, this Jezebel issue's mine. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I'm going to repay. And He's going to repay. And, and a lot of us have been the product of that demon named Jezebel. who the, the Lord showed me this a couple weeks ago. You know every angel and demon that we have listed in the Word has a masculine title. Every single one. Michael, Gabriel, Lucifer, they're all referred to as he. 
uh, over and over again. Even the idols that they worshipped a lot of the times had the masculine, you know, whatever, the boy names. And the Lord showed me this about Jezebel. Jezebel being this, a lot of the time the spirit behind homosexuality and the spirit behind all the transgender stuff is that Jezebel is a masculine spirit that pretends to be a woman. Because um, there's just not an example of a female one in the word. There's not. And that really even Jezebel, you know, the word doesn't even necessarily say that it's a spirit, but clearly we've seen it, you know, personified, whether that's its exact title or not, you know, whatever. But that's one of our big enemies here. And she's going to get, well, really he is going to get pushed out the window and it's going to be game over. But first, that's got to get pushed out of the, the window of our, our soul, which what does it say is the window of our soul, our eyes, what we look at, how we look at each other, how we look at ourselves, how we look at God. Jezebel calls herself a prophetess. She pretends like she's got all this prophetic mystery and insight and whatever else. And all she's doing is bringing people to eat this food that's been offered to idols. Um, which, you know, Jesus is the food that we eat that's been offered to God. So it's just, you know, uh, all they do is copy. They're like, golly, that was so good that they did that. That Father, Son, and Holy Spirit did that. Let's just copy it, but put our little twist on it. That's a lot of the time what they do. So... Anyways, I feel like it's a time for action and we can't sit behind these deceptions and masks, masks of false humility. Oh, I just want that to be so kicked out of my life and worse. And all of that, the hyper grace. And again, guys, like this isn't like grace or works. Just like James says, you say you got faith and I got works. But I'll show you that my faith is real because it's got legs and walks around. And anyways, that is so real. And guys, we are about to be called into real life with other people situations of communicating Jesus. It might be just a simple Jesus loves you or the you know word of you know whatever about their past or a word of correction. I mean, guys, like, Jesus isn't like, I mean, to us who are under his blood, it is so merciful and so awesome to sit in his lap and be the one laying our head on his chest and feel him and smell him and know him. But, I mean, you look at what he said to those churches in the seven letters in Revelation, and that wasn't all butterflies and tickling and, oh, babe. like. But he said, as many as I chasten, I love, I agape. Like, and I mean, you know, this, like Hosea, the same hand that broke us is going to heal us. But I mean, especially you read what he said to the Laodiceans, and that wasn't all mushy gushy rest. That was your poor, blind, wretched, naked, and dumb. To, to his people, that's not to the world, that's to Christians, that's to a church. I mean, yikes. But they're right after that, that as many as I chasten, as many as I get onto, that's who I love. And for us, that He loves us so passionately enough to have those like rattle the cages moments. Get up, you sleeper. Get up from that spirit of death. Christ is about to give you His light. 
and you might want to get in the vantage point of it. And anyways, I wanted to share that, although probably with my volume and body language and content to be really intense and plain, that this is an encouragement. Like, you, like we're about to do the greater stuff that Jesus did. Like, He said that we would do that, you know? And like, that He is sending us, He is commissioning us to different people. Like, I mean, think about how extreme that is that God in all of His majesty and that He sees the beginning to the end and is somehow a billion years in paradise with us and, you know, still hanging with Moses on the mountain and like, you know, and then He's just so outside of anything we can understand and that He is like, John Edward, that one over there, I love them. I need them with me. Will you tell them? With tears in his eyes and getting choked up. And that, that is stuff that we don't have words to explain yet. Anyways, I'm, I, it's got to be after seven now. Let me just say a few words that I felt for different people here tonight. Firstly, Rachel... You are going to be a green beret, the like elite army people, foot soldier. You are on a mission trip right now, and you are also in a greenhouse. You're just, it's boot camp in a greenhouse. Leif Jacob. Oh, he kind of turned right when I said that. Jeremiah 1.5. Before you were in the womb, I knew you. And before your mother conceived you, I I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations, to build and tear down and to plant and all of those other ones. That is why you were born, Leif Jacob, was to be a prophet. Okay. And Cohen, you are a real disciple of Jesus. You and him are for real friends right now. This is not about your future or like the man that you'll grow up to be and you'll grow up more into it, obviously, with age and experience. But right now, dude, you and Jesus have a very authentic and real relationship and he shows himself off to people through you. You don't have to get it in your mind. He just, you're God's and he just is doing what he does with you, man. And he shows off who he is with you. And he shows off that God is all about the kids through that little baby magnet, Cohen, back there. I mean, where he at, where the baby's at every time. And they're giggling and cooing and everything. Leif Jacob face planting into him. That is so who God actually is, is he's all about the kids. And that reminds me of the last word that I felt was I felt that the Lord showed me tonight a word of instruction and just the connection of a couple of scriptures for parenting. Wow, John Edward, you have a lot of experience in that with a six-month pregnant wife. So, uh, I, I wrote the book on it, apparently. So this is what I saw tonight. I had a vision of, I believe it's John 9, and it's where the blind leading the blind, and they both fall in the ditch. And um, that then I remembered Second Peter 1, when it, it lists these eight amazing godly attributes like faith, virtue, godliness, brotherly love, agape, and others. 
And Peter said, if anyone does not have these and is not increasing in them, always increasing, he has become so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sin. And so for us as these leaders of children and spiritual children to come, it may not be in this building and it may not come through this ministry, but there's going to be so many people that will be like the apostles. We don't have time to eat and sleep. Like, what do we do? I actually think that that's going to happen. Um, And not even really because other people say it, just because Jesus said it. Look out there. The harvest is so plentiful. I mean, all of Nicholasville at large is just dying. And you can argue Wilmore, but let's just talk about Nicholasville where I work and, you know, interact with all these kids that are from there. I mean, they're literally withering away over there. And that Jesus is like, I want to be a father to the fatherless so bad. And I want to be a husband to these widows so bad. And he's going to express that through the church, even if it's a couple of people that get on board, that he's going to do it. And then the world is going to be like, oh my gosh, what I've always been looking for. I don't know the timing of everything, but I think that that's really, really going to happen. And that because of this work of rest and really the depleting of every fake form of rest, we will be appropriately trained to go out into the great harvest and not take credit for it and not think that we're going to get it all done and that we'll trust our own individual part in it all. Um, So anyways, I think that sums it up. And just for us, such a key, we can't forget that we've been cleansed from our former sin. Pray over yourself every day. Thank you that you no longer see me as my sin. Jesus, you forgot that I sinned. You don't even remember it anymore. And that I have been totally cleansed. Your blood speaks something better than the blood of a bull or goat that I could go sacrifice. Your blood is always confessing how much the Lord loves me. And your blood is always telling me that I'm clean no matter what happens. Um, Pray that over yourself often. And thank Jesus for the blood every day. Think about the blood every day. Um, Anyways, it's time to go. So I'll pray to wrap it up. And, um, you know, again, if anybody needs particular ministry in an area, um, I know I want Davey to pray with me, so I got him reserved. Um, But, yeah, please. And that's with this is how we'll wrap up, and then we'll be free to go. Uh, the Lord during worship directed me to Romans four, and it then he quotes from Psalm thirty two, which says, "A mascal of David, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the person against whom the Lord Yahweh counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit." You can read the rest of the psalm. Jesus, you have counted us as those that have no more iniquity anymore. You see us as having never committed a sin. You've already forgiven us of sin we've not committed yet. We receive you, Jesus. We are not going to be those that are blind, leading the blind. We're going to be those that you've set upon a rock, immovable, steadfast, seeing you for who you're really like. And Lord God, 
we won't be tossed to and fro by every wave and wind of doctrine like these spirits want to deceive your preachers so much. And every one of us in here is a preacher. You are a preacher. Receive it all the way from Tim to Zoe. You're a preacher. You're a preacher. And you will not be tossed to and fro by these waves, every wave and wind of doctrine. Jesus is saying, peace be still to all those waves and winds of doctrine. Mm. We rest in you. We're filled with you. Thank you, Jesus. You are the best. Amen.